0: Welcome to the Refuge, a CERC podcast to share our research with practitioners and communities. I'm your host, Israel Ekanem, and my guest today are Dr. Ifang Bakugu, an assistant professor at the School of Social Work, Dalhousie University. Her research focus includes African diaspora studies. Forced migration and resettlement policy. I also have Praise Mugisho, originally from the Democratic Republic of the Congo, resettled Nova Scotia with a refugee status in 2016. She loves saving her community as a process to rebuild her once shattered life. And we also have Dr. Erica Goebel, uh, the Associate Dean of Research and a community-based researcher at Northwest College in Edmonton, Alberta. Thanks for coming to the show today.
1: Thank you for
2: having us. Yes, thank you. Thank you, Israel.
0: All right. Um, I'll just start with you, Praise. Uh, I mean, when i just reading your bio... Um, you said saving the community is a process for you to rebuild a one-sheltered life. Do you want to take us a little bit back to what brought you in 2016 to Nova Scotia, Canada?
1: Yeah, sure. Uh, as I said in my bio, I'm a former refugee. It's, I was a refugee in Uganda for seven years. And what we miss is the community like the back home. I'm originally from the Congo And during the war, we had to flee, and we found ourselves in Uganda. So during all that transition, what we were missing is our community. And then integration in the Uganda community as well wasn't very easy because we had to face a lot of barriers and a lot of challenges and missing our community back home what was as a support when we get resettled here. I found it a very good way to integrate in the community, the support which I've been missing since seven years in Uganda. Now I'm trying to rebuild my life while integrating in the community and get to learn the new place and the new country which I'm calling home now.
0: Mm, mm, mm. And um, <clears throat> Erica, I'm curious, what are what's your, what are some of the things your community-based research is Uh, about?
3: So at Northwest College, we run a very large language instruction for newcomer to Canada program. Um, It's the IRCC program that supports language acquisition and settlement. And so our research really looks at the factors that impact their success, both in language acquisition and in settlement, and particularly from the transition from schooling to to employment.
0: Mm. Mm. And Dr. Efengwa, I'm curious, being African yourself, uh, why? what are some of the reasons that you're focusing or some of the things you focus on when you're dealing with resettlement policy, forced migration, and diaspora studies?
2: The main thing I try to emphasize as an African is that African-centered perspective and also trying to get the voices of um, the people that are involved in this reintegration and resettlement. Because most times, there's always um, a top-down approach to things. And then the voices of the people that are involved that actually benefit from these processes are never really recognized. Mm -hmm. Um, People seem to feel that they know what people need and what people deserve and how this should be applied without actually thinking about the needs of the people. And most times I work with children and vulnerable populations. So you understand that their voices are never really heard.
0: Mm. Is that praise? Is that something you would say you've encountered over the years living in Canada? Yeah,
1: sure. Uh, I won't say only living in Canada, but during the transition phase, like, the, the thing which a lot of refugees do face is the lack of having in an independent life or to have the right to say yes. Even here living in Canada, service providers tend to do everything without asking you how do you feel, is it okay with you, okay, how do you see, and then... With, with, without recognizing that we have also a voice and maybe the way you are doing things it's not impacting us positively or it's not empowering us in the way of making us more independent in this country and rebuild our life and what if you if doctor if you have just said this is specifically what is has been impact like impacting a lot of youth, even a lot of families, because people tend to do things according to their way without asking us our wishes or how we tend, we would like things to be, do, to, to be done, please.
0: Mm,
3: yeah, uh, I, I saw you nodding there, Erica. Do you wanna to add to that? I would say this is the underlying premise of the importance of community-based research is to really understand the importance of the community members and the community organizations as full partners in understanding the experience and developing programs and services that appropriately support um, and that change over time as the context changes for the people using those services and programs
0: mm, mm, mm. and then you know i was just thinking something that you mentioned um Dr. Farima, that basically people and actually <laughs> please touch on that two ways that when you're dealing with service providers, service providers is like, you get this and this and this and this, and it might not be what the person wants itself. What do you think are some underlying reasons for such an approach?
2: I would say that even just being in, in Canada here, we are living within and working also um, because I'm a social worker. So we are working and teaching within Eurocentric and sometimes um, now we're moving to American-centric um, ways of doing things. So that is a way of knowing. That is a way of doing things. Is assumed that um, the people that are don't fall within these categories of being American or being um, European, um, to not really understand how to take care of themselves or how to effectively understand or apply their needs. And so other people make decisions for you. And working with um, refugee youth during my project, I can see that happening where um, your agency um, and then your ability to actually take ownership of your life is not really given to you. It's handled by somebody else. And they make those decisions about the programs you should get, at what time you should get it, and then even how and what processes should be involved in you even getting a job. And so your integration seems to be in the hands of some other person, and you are somehow looking through the window to see if there is some outlet for you to, to show yourself, to show who you are, and and get the kind of services that you need. I, I, I don't know if it's something that is intentional because we try to say now that is intentional, but it's something that is also within the society itself. And so refugee youth are always asking, what is the culture? What is the Canadian culture? And I don't have a word for it because I don't know what the culture is and the service providers don't know what it is. But it's something that is not written, but is existing and it rules our lives. That's mm. what I can say for now. Mm.
0: You yeah, know, something comes to mind and I, I want to ask you this, praise. Over You you came as a refugee over the couple of years. You've had some transition happen. One of the transition is like getting a job. Did what barriers did you face from like you know getting being landed here and getting a job what are some of the barriers you faced uh
1: there are a lot of barriers like in getting a job because the masterpiece in everything is the integration first and it's hard for me to get a job if i'm not yet integrated in the community and then the first barrier i would say depending with my background experience it's lack of recognition of my academic credential that is number one because i had to study in a french system and then i get here it's an english system and then when you get to a workplace they do tell you you have to get the Canadian work experience, that is number one. Yet I've been working where I was, and I do have skill and ability to work that job. But because of the work Canadian work experience, it's a big barrier for me to get to that job which I would like to work. And then there is job search, for example, back home we have a different way to search for the job, but here everything is It has to be online, a different system of resume writing, which is like Canadian culture, that how they tend to call it. And then it's a big barrier too, because the way I will present my resume, it doesn't matter with the support I will be having, but mentally I'm being disturbed first because I have to include my past culture and then this new culture and get to create a resume which will fit in the system. And then we got also transportation. As a newcomer, I, I don't own a car. And then maybe the place where I have to go to work, it's a little bit far what will happen because I will be relying on the bus system. And then here they, they do tell us Canadian culture, they love what we call punctuality. Like if they tell you it's seven, show up at 6.50. If you are 10 minutes late, it's a bad thing for you so how am i gonna accommodate all those situations while being a newcomer or not knowing yet the city and not having a car mm. and then we have the language barrier then too. it's
0: even worse during winter right
1: yeah it's very worse during winter yeah um it's,
0: what are some ways you know Dr. Eka, I'm I'm curious, what are some ways based on your research or based on the findings of your research that we could remedy such situations?
3: I think the number one thing we need to remember as service providers is that no single set of services are going to serve all newcomers or refugees. Um, So that we need to provide them with a range of access to different services and supports. Um, As Praise rightly mentioned, there are some newcomers, who will have difficulty with transportation and being able to recognize that need early on in the process and be able to connect them with the appropriate supports for that. Mm. Similarly, providing a range of opportunities, whether it's a volunteer opportunity or ideally a paid work placement to get Mm. them that Canadian recognized work experience. Now we do have some processes in place, such as prior learning assessment recognition and foreign credential recognition, but those processes are not comprehensive or robust enough to have the, um, their experience before they immigrated recognized sufficiently. But we are mm. working on that, and that is, that is an area that, as a sector, we recognize we need to improve. We also need to improve our ability to recognize their work experience before they came to Canada.
0: Yeah, I mean, um, you know, I know things like engineers, I believe lawyers and doctors, there are some courses you have to take to get kind of the Canadian equivalent. And sometimes I'm wondering, personally, um, I mean, if you're a doctor, it's pretty much the same things inside the same person. So it shouldn't take such a process because we hear of doctors that are, you know, driving Ubers or or working at uh, the grocery store or engineers doing the same thing. Um, and I, I was wondering, when it comes to barriers like job barriers and, and language we praise has talked about, Something that um, Dr. Fionn has been touching is how people are taking a different lens, especially service providers, to provide something when they are not thinking of the, like, it's actually, it's like, this is a system, and this is how it's supposed to be, rather than considering the people that, uh, being receiving this service. So I was wondering uh, from your research, are there any recommendations you can um, suggest?
2: Um, what I would say is most times um, service providers, as you've talked about, are looking at things through um, a lens that fits everybody. It's It doesn't talk about... Um, individuality of one person's experience and then most of these people that are coming into Canada that we're talking about are not coming from they're coming from a collective culture. For many of them family is essential. And this is something that Canada is still trying to get around but you can in Um, reintegrate just one individual. And that is a problem the youths are having. You can't say that you're reintegrating the youths and putting them through school or um, getting them to get a job when you haven't thought about the reintegration of their family members. You can't expect a child to succeed when the parents are not succeeding. Mm -hmm. So, um, And you find that many of the youths are having problems with reintegration when their parents are left behind. And so when their parents are left behind, going to language schools for four, five, six years, some of them have been going to language schools since they arrived, some Syrian refugees since 2016. That is five years now, or about six years. And so that means that their parents are left at home. They can't access any jobs. They're dependent on the government and it doesn't inspire the the children because they have to take care of their younger ones, be the inspiration and mentors for the younger ones, and then do more things for their parents. And so we have these programs that are there that are looking at families in in isolation, which deviates from what Canada tells immigrants and refugees when they're coming in. We said the Canadian website says it unites families. And so, rather than costing family um, um, families to be set apart in different ways, and so one thing again I would talk about is for service holders, service providers to do a better job. They also have to look at the language barriers and what it poses for so many young people. Many of them are going through school in a rush because they just land in Canada. As Praise has mentioned, she's coming from a French-speaking environment and finding herself going to be reintegrated quickly into an English-speaking environment. So they don't have enough time to actually learn the language, but they have to catch up with their classmates in the classroom. And so providing adequate services for them to do this effectively and in alignment with the school authorities, that would be an effective um, process. Mm -hmm. And another thing is having service providers understand that there are multiple ways to empowering these young people. Not everybody has to toe the path of an academic qualification or getting um, a degree. And many of them that are coming in want to be entrepreneurs but they don't know how to go about it. Mm. So, and then several of them that are toying this line are in the rural areas. So I feel that more work has to be done with youths that are in the rural areas because they seem to be left behind by service providers.
0: Mm. Family, community is something that keeps coming up and family is a unit. And if one unit is left behind, it affects the whole. That's how I feel. Is that something? Did you move when you moved? Paris? Did you move with family?
1: Yeah, sure. I move with my whole family, my mom and my sibling. And I can relate to that because the community support of family member it's more important because every time when you realize your mom is, having an extra support in the community with half fellow you feel more pressured and you feel like you are achieving one step toward your dreams because even sharing experience as a newcomer women uh sharing their struggle they empower each other mentally emotionally and then they can share even culture because what they do miss a lot in the community and when they receive that community through the community which is here they get to learn more even during english classes you may see like the word which another another family member is not being able to understand it in class in english but when a fellow newcomer tend to explain that word in her own language like the person catch up directly and it's really a big step even in the household even emotionally even in the way of doing thing even in employment because when they go to get employment and then they find there is other community members which are working there it's easy to share view even to the supervisor or to give the person orientation at work and then you feel there is a peace and a mental like a mental stability in the household
0: mm, mm. um i was wondering erica what ways do you think we could better support you refugees, you know, from getting integrated into the Canadian society and actually getting a job?
3: So there there are various things we can do. Um, but I would say the the number one thing that we need to recognize as a system is that as youth move through this process and they, they settle in Canada and they integrate and they learn the language and they go through our educational system and they move into employment, um, this process is dynamic. And as they do this, this is actually an active settlement. So if they change their tra- trajectory partway through, it should not be seen by the system as any sort of failure, but actually a, a very much a success of settlement. They're discovering new opportunities. You know, they might discover a career that was never an option to them before, but Mm. that is a viable option here in Canada. Um, As was mentioned before, entrepreneurship becomes a big opportunity. And then being able to recognize that movement and that consideration of their, their choices moving forward and appropriately supporting them and appropriately connecting them. And as a single provider, not trying to do everything for everyone, but being aware enough of the ecosystem to say, okay, right now, here's what we can provide you, but we're also going to connect you with A, B, and C because this will help you achieve your goals and it will help you move forward and settle in Canada. Um, in our pre-discussion, Praise had mentioned, you know, the, the importance of tracking beyond that very first job. That's also something that we don't do sufficiently as a system. The end goal is not your first job. The end goal is your entire career and your entire life in Canada, and we need to start to track that better.
0: Uh-huh. No, I agree because it's it's almost like, okay, so you move to Canada, like my wife and I, we moved and we, you know, we knew we had to get that first job, we we got it and then, okay, now we're settled and we're doing what the things we expected to do. Um, So say you came in with a law degree, but now you find that you actually love talking to people more and now you might switch to doing some consulting practice or something different from what you are doing at home. That's one way to look at it. And um, is this something you found anyway uh, in your research If with, um, I guess, with Africans moving to Canada, like, did you notice that most of them came with, say, certain qualifications, and when they moved here, they saw the different opportunities and picked up something different from what they were doing back uh, in the countries of origin, if anyone? Yeah,
2: that is um, a persistent theme, and even... In the School of Social Work where I teach, there are so many students of African descent that are coming in from different parts of um, Africa, especially Western um, Central Africa, and many of them are very extremely qualified individuals. Some of them have two master's degrees, like some have um, um, master's in engineering and then have an MBA, but they come here and their qualifications are not recognized. And so just like the youths that we're talking about, they undergo that mental health situation and depression and frustration of only having access to low-paying jobs, the lowest of them all, that, you might end up earning $12 an hour as the youths. And then it affects their mental health because they feel they can go beyond certain stages um, in their career. And then so the alternative for them is while they're on those low paying jobs, they get motivated by the other people that are doing things that they see and like, and then they get involved in um, social service delivery and then coming to social work and some other professions so they're now engaged in a career shift hmm. which is not something that happens to other people but it happens to them because of their circumstances so they mm-hmm. have to go way beyond other people yeah.
0: do yeah. way
2: beyond the other people that are grew up in Canada schooled in Canada to prove themselves and so they're proving themselves, themselves right from the first day they step into Canada and for the rest of their lives because they're going to be proving themselves to their kids so that their kids can do way better than they did. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's kind of like a circle and it's important that maybe with this um, presentation that we're having, there's more exposure to the situations and then maybe something can be done to make it visible. And even when they're going through the system, we're not letting them know so many things that are happening and how to take care of themselves because they're facing some systemic and structural problems in the workplaces or even in the school environment, such as Mm -hmm. racism. And many of them don't know how to handle those things and it becomes an added stress for them. And many of the refugee youths are having those problems, whether they're refugees from Africa other ref- refugees from North Africa or from the Middle East? is the mm. same story. And so service providers have to integrate a component, either get relevant professionals involved to talk about these systemic issues and get mm. youth prepared for it and how to handle it, rather than facing the added stress of witnessing something that demoralizes them and then impacts them um, negatively for a long time.
0: Yeah, no. I mean, that is right. That is super true. It's like someone that prays, you've experienced this traumatic experience back from where you called your home, and from the experience, you've moved to a different place and now you have to learn, pretty much start your life from zero, rebuild that. I can't even imagine what that does to your mental health. Is that something you're comfortable talking
1: about, Chris? Yeah, yeah, sure. Uh, I mean, say having stages, like having stages of... Starting all over is not easy. It means resiliency, courage, and everything. But in everyday life, we, as youth refugee, we tend to face the labor, the refugee label, as if it's really stickers all over our body because even on the way to school, even the classroom, even your classmates tend to think like you don't have ability or potential or you don't have a right to a higher education, or every time you have to prove yourself that you are better to, you can do this. And then even in, at workplace, your workmen too, your colleague, they tend to have that perception. Why? Because you, have, you were plugged before to a system and then you get plugged to another system, and you keep on carrying that label over and over and if you don't have a lot of support from family member or from service provider or from friend, you tend to give up all your dreams and goals because you think as a refugee or as a former refugee, you don't have a right to a better life, to a better future, yet it was just a process. As i spoken before, integration is a process. and in that process we need a lot of support even in our community to know that refugees are human beings first they are human beings who have all the potential, who have dreams to who have skills to give back to the community, and who are ready to face everything, to rebuilding their self back again on the ground, and to give back to the country which have given them shelter, because what we look a lot is the shelter, a place to call home, a peaceful place, a peaceful household, and then the racism is something big, and thank you for Efeunia to bring that up, racism is something big and it is not only affecting youth refugee but even kids at school even parents, even seniors in our community they are facing the same things even in sport our youth going to the sport they give up on their sport because of that refugee label
0: mm. yeah um erica do you want to
3: One thing I would add is, um, as a system, we need to not put all of the onus on the refugees. So um, at NorQuest, we work as much with other service providers, um, governmental agencies, and with employers to help them understand the refugee experience. And so it's to bring the two sides together. Yes, we are focused on integration for newcomers to Canada. But we're also working with the community and with employers to understand what it means to have newcomers integrate into their organizations and into their communities and to to be more responsive and to be more understanding and to really recognize the strengths that the newcomers bring and the refugees bring to their organizations because they are very much strengths to them so we don't want everyone to conform But the the concept of integration is actually bringing the benefits of both sides together.
0: Mm, mm. This has been a very enlightening conversation. um, And I hope to everyone, the audience out there listening, they have a, a better idea of someone moving from a different country, trying to integrate into a new one, transitioning from where they land and then trying to get a job. It's just... It's a lot to ask of one person. It's a lot to ask of a lot of people. Um, Canada is a welcoming country, but as with everything, there's a lot of work that needs to be done. Um, before I let you go, I will ask if there's anything you want to add, something you want us and everyone listening to know about your experience, Praise. Uh,
1: I will say, okay, they want in one word, like all the experience which i had it wasn't only bad there was all also good thing which came out of that because i was able mm-hmm. to learn new languages like i was able to discover a new culture and new community and the mixing of all the community i treasure it and then i'm really thankful to the canadian community because they keep on giving refugees opportunity to discover themselves though even mm-hmm. though the process is not like the process doesn't have to speed up to our re- rhythm but we we tend also to do as the process is telling us to do and then would like more support from the community more understanding from the provis- provider from the service provider because we as a refugee what we miss a lot is somebody to listening to us and if several service providers can have time to listen like just listen to whatever refugee youth is telling you in a hundred word you will know specifically what that person is needing like what he needs mm. and what he, what is the message is trying to give you and thank you for all the good work and thank you for all the big heart.
0: thanks briz and do you want to add something um somehow I
2: just have a feeling that we've said it all but (laughs) (laughs) but this was this was was a good experience because um, we should be proud that we're collectively discussing something that is not usually expressed. Um, Canada welcomes um, thousands of refugees every year. Um, They have the goal of um, even getting more refugees in. And I also don't like using the label like talking about refugees. I want to always talk about people with refugee experience because that way you see that we seem to allow people to have a tag live with them for the rest of their Mm -hmm. lives because um, you came in in such a way, everybody came into Canada in different ways and um, we don't want to be remembered all the time for the way we came in. But Mm. we're sitting down here discussing this because um, we want better services for this young people and their family members, and which is essential for them to be able to move on with their lives. And one thing I wanna say is um, I really agree with praise because in the conversations I have with the youths that I work with, they might, um, they're always grateful that the space in my research is provided for them to um, talk about their experiences and then to actually say what are the, some of the things that are missing. But they always end up in one way, that they are grateful to Canada. And some of them are tearful about that gratitude. Mm. Because some of them are coming from places that we cannot even imagine. They've made journeys that we cannot even imagine, even in another lifetime. So having this new place that they're calling home, that was offered to them, even without them asking for it. Mm. There's always that expression of gratitude that, yes, you can do more, but the amount you've done, they're grateful for it, and they will try as much as possible to build on it. Mm. So thank you, and, and this was good, Israel, good job.
3: <laughs> <laughs> thank you, thank you very much, I'll take that. Um, Erica. Uh, just to build on what the other two guests mentioned, Um, from a service provider perspective, we shouldn't confuse the gratitude that people have for our services and our supports with with the idea that our supports are sufficient. They're not. Um, And we do need to listen when people are telling us what they need, and we need to be responsive as a system. And if we can recognize those two pieces and bring them together, we can build a better system because it's amazing what newcomers are doing right now, but imagine what they could do If they were better supported.
0: Mm. Right, right. Uh, Imagine if the support started from pre arrival till when you're here and after. Well, this has been exactly like I said super enlightening. And I'm really, really grateful to my guests. Praise Mugisho, Dr. Infangwa Mbakogu, and Dr. Erika Goebel. Thanks for coming to the refuge. I'm super grateful. Thank
3: Thank you. you.